Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to the King's House Podcast. We're a non-denominational church located in McAllister, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe that church is not something you go to, but a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until the family's there. Then the house becomes a home. So today we want to say, welcome home, as we jump into today's service. is good. Let's just dive right in. I'm sure you guys are all aware of some of these thought processes, but maybe you've just never particularly thought of it in this certain way. But the kingdom of God is a backwards kingdom. That's how the kingdom of heaven operates. It doesn't operate the way that, that our society operates. It's, it's completely backwards. And, and you know these things, but maybe just, like I said, never thought of them this way. Jesus said all sorts of things talking about his kingdom. He said the first are actually going to be last, and the last are going to be that's backwards. Jesus said that the greatest among us is the person that actually serves, the least, right? And if you're not serving at the king's house, today would be a great time to get signed up to do that because we are one body and everybody. I need a little more enthusiasm on that king's house. We are one body and everybody. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. If you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lay down your life for Jesus, that's when you actually find it a very backwards way of thinking. So with that process in mind, I want you to think about this for a moment. It's not the absence of restraint that makes you free. Quite the opposite. The more that we buck the restraint of God, the, the more that we push against the rule of God, actually we find ourselves more bound up than we ever were before. The word says that the one who is in sin is a slave to sin. So it's not, the, it's not the absence of restraint that makes you, man, if I could just kick off all these rules and all these standards and these restraints that God's put in my, then I'm going to be, ha, ah, I will actually be free. No, friend, you'll find yourself more bound up than you ever thought possible. True freedom is found in surrender and obedience to follow after Jesus. That's where true freedom and true surrender is found. Even Jesus Christ lived by these same principles. Think about it this morning. Jesus said, the Son of Man can do nothing on his own. This is the Messiah we're talking about. I can do nothing on my own. He embraced those restraints. I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. I mean, he didn't come strutting into earth like, I'm the Messiah, what's up? I'm going to show you what's going down. Like, that was not his attitude at all. Look at Jesus in the garden, like the Garden of Gethsemane right before his crucifixion. He's well aware, like, this is about to suck in a big way. 
And he says, God, if there's any other way, like if you got a plan B right now would be a great time to hear that plan B. But God, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus as Messiah didn't come to rule. He came to serve and to fulfill the will of his father. He embraced those restraints. He embraced that rule in his life. And that's my challenge to you this morning. The title of my message this morning is the power of pressure. The power of pressure. And when we allow God to put those restraints on us, when we surrender ourselves to his will and to his purposes, that's when true power is created in our life. Pressure creates power to discover your potential. Pressure creates power to push back all the pain and all the disappointments that have held you back for years and years. And if you've been involved in a church for more than like six months, then you probably have some pain and some disappointments. Because ain't no one can hurt you like a church can hurt you. And all God's people said. Man, let's keep it real. Man, it creates that power to step out and be who you're actually called to be. That pressure creates power that takes ordinary, everyday things like us, puts them together and does something absolutely extraordinary with his body. And that's what the body of Christ is, people. We need to embrace that pressure. So uh, considering my past with sparklers and, yes, thank you. For those of you who don't know, I spent a year on probation with six felony counts pending because I blew up mailboxes with sparklers when I was 19 years old. <laughs> so in light of all those things, I thought it would be appropriate this morning just to give you a small sample of what I experienced that night all those years ago. Watch this video if you would, King's House.
You had no idea sparklers could do that, did you? Yes. Imagine me at 19 years old putting that in a mailbox. We partied all night long, and I paid for it dearly. The only difference between the first sparklers and the second group of sparklers was one thing, pressure. It's the only thing that was missing from something that's just like, oh, that's a nice little pretty thing. And like you dance around with it at night. Yay. But you constrain those things. You restrain those things. You put pressure on those same sparklers. And you get a very, very different result because pressure creates power, which is God, what is God's trying to accomplish in each and every one of your lives. I want to give you a couple instances today. Uh, you all know the story of Peter. Uh, uh, as Jesus had been arrested, at that point, Peter experienced some real pressure in his life. All of a sudden, like, he went from being a rock star following around Jesus to realizing following Jesus might cost me something. And I might get arrested, and there was a price attached to this. And you know what, what Peter did, just what Jesus said he was going to do. When the pressure was on, he crumbled. And not once and not twice, but three different times, he denied Christ. That he even knew Christ, much less was a follower of him. Don't even know the man, he said. And the Bible says that he ran away and wept bitterly. Now, Jesus had appeared to Peter a few times after that, after he had been resurrected. But one day, Peter's fishing with the rest of the disciples. There's a guy sitting on the beach. John says, hey, that's Jesus. When, Je when Peter realized that's Jesus, Peter jumped off the boat. He swam to Jesus. He was desperate to see that relationship restored between him and Jesus. They're all sitting around. They're eating fish around the fire. And somewhere in there, Jesus tells Peter, like, hey, buddy, let's go take a walk and have a talk. And I'm sure Peter is like, uh-oh, <laughs> like, I'm going to the principal's office. I'm in trouble. And as they walked along, Jesus asked Peter a question. Do you, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Jesus, yes, yes. You know I love you. Yes, Jesus, I love you. Jesus says, no, man, do you, do you really, really love me? Jesus, yes. You, I already answered that question. Yes, I love you, Jesus, yes. And then he asked him a third time, and it deeply disturbed Peter's heart in that moment. He said, no, Peter, do you really, do you really love me? Y yes, God, yes, God, I really love you. And in John chapter 21, this is where the, the story picks up. Peter, listen, when you were younger, you made your own choices, and you went where you pleased. Peter, you didn't have a lot of restraints in your life. Peter, you didn't have a lot of rules in your life. You did your own thing. But one day when you are old, others will tie you up and escort you where you would not choose to go and you would spread out your arms. Jesus said this to Peter as a prophecy of what kind of death he would die for the glory of God. And then he said, Peter, Follow me. If you study church history, Peter was crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worried that he'd be crucified the same way that my Savior was crucified. But here's what Jesus is telling Peter in, in, in this verse. Peter, there is incredible potential in you, friends. Like you are the rock. I want to build my church on you. You are bold. You have a voice. But Peter, I'm about to put you in the middle of the big squeeze. 
peace. I'm about to put some pressure in your life. Because the first time you experienced pressure, Peter, it didn't go so well. Peter, the first time you crumbled under that pressure. That's why you're not going to get to go where you want to go anymore. You're not going to get to do what you want to do anymore. Because, Peter, there is some fear. There is some maggots inside of this refrigerator that I got to start squeezing on. Not because I'm mad at you, but because I love you and I believe in you. And that's exactly what Jesus started doing in his life. Man, he started living under some pressure. Also introduced him to a very dear friend of Jesus named the Mr. Holy Spirit just a few days after this event. I want you to look at the stark difference in Peter's life from pre-pressure, from pre-surrendering to God. Holy Spirit, whatever it is you want, I'm not in charge anymore. You tell me where to go. You tell me what to do. I'm surrendering my life. I am embracing the pressure. I'm embracing the restraints that you're pushing on my life. Listen, King's House, it's going to feel so opposite of anything and everything you've ever wanted to do. Nobody likes pressure. Nobody likes to be squeezed. Nobody likes it. But in Acts chapter 5, you see the, the end result of the process that Jesus had Peter walking through. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Look at your neighbor and say, pressure makes power. Pressure makes power. He went from being a coward. He went from, from crumbling under that pressure to walking in so much power that his shadow healed people along the road, man. Pretty incredible. The Israelites had been uh, captured by the Babylonians. They're now living in Babylon under this king named King Nebuchadnezzar. He's not a, he was not a godly man by any, any stretch. He made this giant gold statue. And he put out a, a call to the whole kingdom and said, listen, whenever the music starts to play, I need everybody in the kingdom to just bow down. Just bow down and worship it. That's all you got to do. Just bow down and worship it. So they got the statue all done. They started playing the music. And people all over the kingdom started bowing down and worshiping the gold idol, except three Hebrew children named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I can't imagine the pressure that they were feeling in that moment. Are you with me, King's House? Everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is bowing, is succumbing to the pressure. I'm sure that they heard that little voice that just said, hey, just, just, just bow. You don't have to bow with your heart. Just bow with your knees. Like pretend like you're doing yoga. Pretend like you're doing some stretches. Just, just bow. It's going to be, God understands. Just bow. We can justify and rationalize so many things in our life when God's trying to squeeze us to create that pressure. We're professionals at justifying our actions, but these guys refuse to bow. They refuse to bow. Well, the King Nebuchadnezzar hears about it. He doesn't like it one little bit. He invites these guys to come stand before the king. He says, hey, listen, fellas, you're doing a good job. They were, they were like higher up positions in the kingdom. I like you, but if you don't bow, I'm going to throw you in that furnace. Here's your options. You're going to bow or you're going to burn. 
Again, I can't imagine the pressure that existed in that situation as they stood before Nebuchadnezzar, who's the most powerful person on planet earth that day. Realize this, the most powerful person on planet earth, you stand before him. Everybody else around you has succumbed to the pressure and bowed their knee, and they just refuse to bow, man, in that moment of pressure. And in Daniel chapter 3, this is one of my all-time favorite responses, the attitude that we have to have. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King. Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand, but even if he doesn't. Man, that's the kind of attitude and the kind of heart we need in today's world. I know that God is able. I believe that he will. But even if he doesn't, I am not going to bow our knees. We, will, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar said, great, baby. Turn that furnace up seven times hotter. Like, not double it, not triple it, seven times hotter. It was so hot that when they opened up those gate, the doors to throw the three Hebrews in, the flames jumped out and it consumed the guards that were going to put them in. Can we all agree this morning that's some hot fire? Can we all agree this morning that, that is a pressure-filled situation? They threw those three Hebrews in. I'm sure Nebuchadnezzar just felt like a million bucks, man, you know, took care of that. That'll teach them. You're going to do what I say. Probably a few minutes goes by. He peeks down and looks in the furnace, says, huh. Calls his little helper over. He says, remind me how many people we threw in that furnace. I was thinking three, but now I see four. And the scripture says that one of them looks to be the son of man. King House, I want you to know this morning that when you're in the fire, you are not alone. When you're in the storms, when you're in the trials, when you're in those pressure-filled situations, man, he is with you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. He is always working. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working, baby. He never stops working on our behalf for our good. Needless to say, God had Nebuchadnezzar's Attention at that point, he made a law. Anybody that speaks against this God, off with their head. Look at this next verse, verse 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I want you to know this morning that pressure creates the power necessary for promotion. Pressure creates that power. Everybody wants the promotion. Everybody wants to walk in the promises of God. Everybody wants to walk in the power and the authority of God. But are you willing to say yes and surrender to the pressure that it takes to produce these kinds of results in your life? You don't just wake up one morning and it just magically happens, King's House. You surrender. You say, yes, God, I want your power in my life. I want your restraint. I want your rule. It's not what I want to do anymore. I'm saying yes to you. And you start that process. Let me tell you, God is trying to produce power in your lives this morning. Man, he has a plan and a purpose for you. Say amen to that. Cruising right along, Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says this. beautiful verse, our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us 
and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence. Here we go. Knowing that our pressures, say pressure. <laughs> you actually did it. I didn't think you would do that. Let's take an offering quickly. They're, they're willing to do anything. Come on, ushers. Knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. Because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. But friends, it, it doesn't stop here. Pressure creates endurance. And endurance creates character. And character creates hope. And this hope is such a crucial component because Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You can't have faith unless you first have hope. So put, put this graph up. Let me show you how this thing works, man. This is how pressure creates power in our lives. Pressure, according to Romans chapter 5, creates endurance, and endurance creates character, and character creates hope, and hope creates faith, and faith is that thing that lives on the inside of you, that gives you the ability to dream again. Faith has given you the ability to not see through these eyes, but to see yourself in situations through the eyes of God. Faith is that thing that gives us the boldness to step out into our future, to step out into our purpose, to step past all those pains and all those disappointments when you say, God, I'm really ready to be who you've called me to be. That's what faith is. But it all starts with pressure. It all starts with pressure. You can't produce any of those other things if you don't first say, okay, God. Put the big squeeze on me, baby. I'm ready to be who you've called me to be. I'm ready to do what you've called me to do. One of the most liberating days of my life, literally, one of the most liberating, freeing days of my life was the day that I realized the rest of my life is going to be hard. That doesn't sound very liberating, Pastor Mark. That actually sounds discouraging. No, really, though. When I finally realized the rest of my life is going to be hard. But out of all the times in human history that God could have chosen to put Mark Hinnon on this planet, he put me on this planet for today. 
And if he put me on this planet today, then he's going to give me the grace necessary to live an overcoming life. And if he put me on this planet today, that means he gave me the gifts, he gave me the talents, he gave me the tools to be successful as an overcomer. And he will always lead me into triumph no matter what's going on in the world and how difficult it's going to be. I was born for this. Man, I was born to walk in the fire. I was, so the day that I accepted that, it's going to always be hard. But I was created for it. It was so liberating. And I used to ask myself, God, am I always going to have to push this hard? Yep. Is it always going to be a fight? And is it always going to be a struggle? Yes. Is there ever going to be a chance where I can just kind of relax and kick back and coast? Friends, no, because I'm not called to live in the valley. I'm called to go from glory to glory, from mountain to mountain, man. I'm called to fight. I'm called to climb. I'm called to push, and you are too, and that's why it takes pressure, because pressure makes that faith necessary for you to keep taking those steps. you got to understand this this morning. Everything in life worth having is uphill, Nothing is easy in this Christian journey. It ain't a 50-yard dash. It's not a 100-yard dash. It's a lifelong marathon, and it's hard, and it's going to always be hard. But everything that's worthwhile is up on top of that hill. Man, keep climbing. The purposes of God that you know are alive and in you are at the top of the hill. That marriage that you've been fighting for, that family that you've been fighting for, those giftings and those callings that you've been fighting for, they're at the top of that hill. you got to keep climbing. you got to keep fighting, and it takes faith to be able to do those things. Listen, you know the situation we were in two and a half years ago financially. What a dumpster fire. Two months from bankruptcy. Losing this place, closing it down, having nowhere to go. That's where we were. I can't begin to tell you how many times in the last two and a half years I've prayed, God, I want this church to be debt-free. God, get this church financially healthy. I'm still believing for a miracle. I believe that God is supernaturally. I mean, we're so much better today than we ever have been. But, man, I'm still believing for that miracle. This church will be debt-free. I'm declaring that this morning. Well, good, yes. But listen, when that day comes, and I pray sooner than later, when that day comes, I'm not going to just, wow, what a journey. We had a good run, didn't we, King's House? Oh, you remember, you remember those good old days? Remember when we were almost bankrupt? Man, those were the days. Boy, we prayed and we thought, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to party like crazy for a few days. I can guarantee you that. You know what I'm saying? Jesus turned water into wine. I'm going to like lay my hands on the the water fountain outside. Come on, Jesus. Let's party. <laughs> uh, we're going to party. I'm going to take probably three or four or five days and I'm going to celebrate. But then three or four or five days into that celebration, there's going to be the spark that starts coming alive inside of me again. And it's going to feel like a fire in my bones. And then I'm going to come before the Lord and I say, God, I'm so thankful for, for what you've done and the journey that we've been on in your goodness and your faithfulness. And I'm so thankful for it. But God, what's next? 
God, show me the next mountain and the mountain after that and the mountain after that and the mountain after that. Baby, because I'm called to climb, and you are too. You are called to fight. You were born for the fire. God wants to awaken some faith on the inside of you. Friends, if your memories outweigh your dreams, you are already dead. The day that your memories start outweighing your dreams is the day that you've thrown in the towel. And at this point in your life, now you're just existing. Pastor Matt talked about it last week. Joel chapter 2 says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men are going to dream dreams. And your young men are going to see visions. I don't think that's just a coincidence that it's worded that way. Because no matter what point you are in your life, you're supposed to still be dreaming. You're supposed to still be climbing, still be fighting. Old men are called to dream dreams. I've embraced this reality in my life. I've just accepted it. That the next thing God has for me is the best thing. And it's a mindset that you have to adopt. If you're going to live out of dreams instead of out of memories, if you're going to keep moving forward, keep surrendering, you have to believe, man, the next thing God has is the best thing. He takes me from glory to glory. Doesn't always feel like the best thing, King's House, but the next thing God has for me. I used to want to die like Paul died. I did thought about it all the time, preached about it all the time. Like, I want to be able to say, I have finished the course. I finished the race, completed my course. And I thought, man, what an incredible feeling it would be to know that I did every single thing that I ever dreamt of doing. And then you just take your last breath. I don't want to do that anymore. Today, I want to die like Abraham died. Died in faith without having seen the fulfillment of those promises. Abraham saw so, God accomplished so much, but he didn't see all of it. He was a man that died still dreaming, man, still alive, still pushing, still fighting. I don't care how old you are or how much you've accomplished. It's time to start dreaming again. It's time to let that faith build up in your heart because God still has things that he wants to accomplish in your life. As long as there is air in these lungs, people. I'm going to be fighting. I'm going to be climbing. I'm going to be dreaming. He is wanting to create a power in your life that is so much bigger and so much more powerful than what you could ever even begin to imagine. And he does it through pressure. All those failures, all those disappointments, all those frustrations, all those times where it felt like the dreams just died and everything you touched just died. All those questionings that you've had. God, why this? God, why that? The career that you just could never live. Man, that's how God does it, to create that pressure. And I want to leave you with this hopeful verse in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I love how it's worded in the Passion Translation. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Come on, somebody. Your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imaginations. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizing you. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church and every generation through Christ Jesus. 
And all that will yet be manifested through time and eternity. More than your greatest request, more than your most unbelievable dream, he will exceed your wildest imagination. Say yes to the pressure this morning. Say yes to the hardship. Say yes to the fight. Say yes to the struggle. Quit looking for ways to get out of the fire. And when you're in the fire, say, God, whatever you're trying to accomplish in me, through me, out of me, God, you leave me in here. Don't take me out one second sooner. God, I want that pressure to create the power in my life for me to be who you've called me to be and do what you've called me to do. Jesus, I love you this morning. I'm so thankful for all the blessings. I'm so thankful for all the good times. And God, this morning I can even thank you that I'm so thankful for all the bad times, for all the broken dreams, for all the hardships, for all the mistreatments, for all the abuses, for all, all God, I'm thankful for them. Because God, I couldn't see it at the time. God, you were taking those situations and you were molding them and you were shaping them and you were creating a power in my life unlike anything I could have ever foreseen, Jesus. And God, that's what I'm asking for each and every person in this room. You know every purpose. You know every plan that you have for them, incredible plans and purposes, incredible things you want to accomplish through them, through this church. God, you know every situation that they're going through. God, I thank you that when we're walking through the fire, there's somebody else in there with us. God, I'm thankful that we're never alone. God, give this body the the grace to say yes. I say yes to the process of pressure. I say yes to the power that you're trying to create in me and through me. Jesus, I'm most thankful for what you're about to do in this church, in these lives, in this city, in this region. Because I think it's going to exceed our wildest imaginations, our biggest dreams. You're going to outdo all of those, Jesus. So, God, before it happens, I want to say thank you. Jesus, we love you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, I love you, King's House. Have an amazing week. See you next Sunday. Thanks for joining our podcast today. If you are ever in need of prayer or wish to speak to a pastor, please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you would like to give towards the ministry of the King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church slash giving. Or you can text any dollar amount to the number 84321 and simply respond to the prompt sent back to you. If you're ever around the area and want to visit, we meet every week at 124 V. Huber Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit ahead of time where you can reserve your seat, your parking spot, and even pre-check in your kids before arriving on the Sunday of your choice. Just fill out the quick form at thekingshouse.church slash plan your visit. Hey, we know life is busy, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you can catch all our latest messages. And we look forward to seeing you soon.